Hello, folks. Welcome to Courtside Wellness. I'm your host, Brandon St. Croix, former athlete and current social worker. We're just after finishing off an exciting March Madness, so it's only fitting that we bring on former Ball State basketball player and current professional basketball player, Trey Moses. Trey's not only a professional basketball player, but a mental health advocate. He's talked about his own story, his own experience in mental health, and what are some of the changes in the system that's currently happening, his own experience at Ball State in terms of how the impacts of having a positive coach, a support system around him, was able to enhance his own mental health. Also, some challenges he's had playing overseas and spreading the word around mental health in the sport community. He's also an NCAA Inspiration Award winner in 2020. We'd like to thank Trey for joining us today. Some of the topics we will be discussing may be triggering for individuals. So be mindful. Thank you and stay well. And folks, we're back with Trey Moses, former Ball State NCAA basketball player and professional basketball player. Thank you, Trey, for joining us courtside today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate, like I said, having you here on, on the episode, but also the work that you've done in terms of being a huge advocate for mental health and sport community, especially your work, like I said, during your NCAA career, but even after your career as well in, in your professional experience, being able to talk about your own lived experience and the experience of others. So tell us a bit about yourself and you know who you are. Yeah, my name uh, obviously is Trey. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I grew up in, in Louisville. Um, and then after playing high school basketball, I went on to play at Ball State, uh, where I majored in child development. Um, I was a special education major and ended up just switching, uh, just felt like it was best for me. Um, and kind of fell in love with what I was doing in terms of working with kids and, um, being in a classroom. Uh, so I am a preschool teacher when I'm you know, back home and uh, not playing basketball. Uh, so I love what I do um, there too. Um, and then obviously this is my third year pro. Um, you know, I've, I've been blessed to be able to play in different places and, um, and I've stayed pretty much pretty healthy um, and just getting an opportunity to see the world and play the game I love and meet new, new people all over the world. Um, so it's just been awesome, man. It really has. And it's a great experience, again, you know, to be able to do something you love. And again, you know, great opportunity, like I said, to see the world. Like I said, you've played in Bulgaria, Por- uh, Portugal, and currently in Australia. Mm-hmm. And for yourself, you know, you talked about, you know, looking back, your experience with mental health goes right back to middle school. And like I said, it's not to see some of the signs there. But for yourself, when did the moment hit where you realize, okay, you know what, I'm really going through this battle with my mental health? Yeah, you know, you mentioned, you know, for me in seventh grade, uh, so, like, that was the first time I ever had thoughts of, like, not wanting to be here. And then in high school, I started to self-harm. But it wasn't until my freshman year of college where um, I was first time I got into counseling. Um, We had... um, someone from the counseling center come talk to us athletes and give us a questionnaire and I filled it out honestly 
not thinking too much of it. And she came back and ended up coming to talk to me. I met with her for that entire year. Um, and for me, it was a, um, it was like my first look into counseling and it was, um, you know, it was difficult not understanding what I was going through. Um, and then from there, she suggested that I go see a doctor. And then that was the first time I was diagnosed as having severe depression. So it was like, that was my first real look into kind of what I was going through. I had no idea. Um, but it was like my first time figuring out like what was the real issue. And it's interesting, like I say, because oftentimes individuals go through, you know, various days of life without, you know, those questions being asked or without those supports. And it's great to hear that Ball State had those supports and was able to bring in the counseling center for the athletes. But prior to that, would you say mental health was ever discussed in your athletic career? No, I, I never even knew mental health was a thing. Um, I never knew, you know, what depression and anxiety were. I, I knew that how I felt. I knew how um, that some people had, you know, talked about counseling before. You know, I had seen it, like, talked about. Um, but I had never really known what kind of what I was going through. And in terms of the conversation, you know, among teammates, among, among coaches, was it ever a conversation, you know, after that uh, you know, meeting with the counselor? Yeah. So for me, um, you know, I was always told not everyone needs to know just a few good people. Um, and so for me, I was my um, athletic trainer, Troy Hirschman. And then our student advisor for athletics, uh, Megan, those were my, my people, my freshman year. Um, but I remember like before one practice, I was just literally just crying uncontrollably. I had no idea what was going on. Um, and I'm sitting there with Troy and he was like, I think it's time we tell coach, um, you know, I think he'll be supportive. Um, and he had coach come in and this was like the day before a game too. Um, he had coach come in. And, he, you know, we kind of told him what was going on. And he was just like, you know, I want you to take today off. I'll tell the guys you're sick. And, when you know, when you're ready to tell them more, you know, you can kind of tell them more. But until then, you know, we'll, we'll get it handled. Um, and, you know, that he's he's a big reason for my success as a person. Um, forget everything basketball-wise. He's He has always been there for me as a person before the player. Um, and that's one thing I give him great respect about is he 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 really does care about us as individuals more than us as athletes and I love to hear that because oftentimes in sports the athlete gets lost in terms of their sport or their position or what their abilities are on the court but again we have to keep in mind every athlete is a, is a human being at the end of the day as well they have emotions they have feelings they have experiences so it's great to hear that your experience was positive in terms of that support you had yeah, yeah, for sure. He, um, definitely a blessing. And, um, you know, we still talk every now and then still, and it's been three, four years since I've graduated. And for yourself, you know, you came out in terms of saying, you know, it's okay not to be okay. At, at what point did you reappeal? Okay. You know what? It's okay to talk about it. I'm, I don't mind, you know, talking about my own experience. Um, I think the big thing is understanding that, um, you know, a lot of people, define strength as something else and I for me like I think the strongest thing you can do is is admit you're not okay um to admit that you need help to admit to admit that you know 
things aren't going as well for you um, and you need help. Um, and, you know, that's something that I've always said, and I don't think a lot of people understand how important that truly is to um, admit you need help. Um, and then the next step is going to actually get help. So I think, um, you know, it's, it's important and it shows a real sign of strength and maturity. And, and what was some of the thoughts or, you know, process for us, you know, when we were ready to talk about it? Um, yeah, so for me, it was, um, you know, like I said, not everyone needs to know a few good people. Um, so I kind of was kind of thrown into counseling in a sense. Like it's not that I I chose to go. It wasn't like I volunteered. I was kind of thrown into it and not that it was like against my will or anything, but it was just in a sense of like, Hey, I really think you should just start seeing someone. So I, you know, started seeing her, um, and then it kind of just continued. And then, um, you know, I had like a break after she and her friend graduated, her friend I saw after her, they were just both in the counseling center. So, you know, once they graduated, I had to pick someone else. Um, but then, um, you know, I think the for the for the people considering going into counseling, like I don't think it's a matter of like should I do it. It's just a matter of when. So I think deep down people know that they they need help. Um, they need to do something. They need to fix their life in some way. Um, and I was and I was one of those people. I mean, even recently, I got back into counseling. Um, I was one of those people. I needed help. I I knew I know, but for me, I knew what it took. I knew how to go about it. But for the people that don't know, it's a little tougher. But I think it's just accepting that you know things aren't great right now, and you need some some way, some form of how to go and manage things. Um, and so for me, it was um, counseling. For other people, it's different things. But I think counseling is important, um, and it's a way for you to get out things without. Um, having to tell the entire world. Yeah. You know, a great point for sure in terms, you know, being able to accept it and kind of take those steps because, again, if we had 100 individuals go out and break their arm, you know, it, people will go get a cast. But again, mm -hmm. when it comes to mental health, if 100 people needed help for anxiety or depression or whatever their mental struggles are, only 50% oftentimes reach out, and that's sometimes in the higher end saying 50%. But yet, if we say only 50% got a, of people got a cast, We'd kind of look and say, okay, well, that doesn't make sense. But yeah, if we accept it when it comes to mental health. Yeah, it's, um, there's definitely a, uh, I think the biggest thing is there's just the, still the stigma around uh, mental health. And so it makes it a little tougher for people to want to do it. Um, especially in athletics, it's a lot of people just, you know, toughen up, you'll be good, push through it, whatever it is. And um, especially the mental side of things, it's like, you know, mental toughness is talked about. But there's just some aspects of mental toughness that can't be pushed through, that shouldn't be pushed through. Yeah. And that's a great point. Again, it shouldn't be pushed through because, again, there's other ways of going through things in healthier matters as well. And what do you think needs to happen to change the stigma of mental health in sports? Um, you know, for me, I got to speak to coaches in mental about mental health um, in 2019 at the Final Four. Um, and that was awesome. So I think... Um, more conversations like that in terms of coaches getting out and listening to individuals speak on mental health, um, especially former athletes or current athletes. Um, for me, I got to speak to about 80 coaches during that time. And it was 
very eye-opening to see how many coaches had questions after in terms of like how can we be better like a lot of coaches didn't know how to be there for their athletes how to be better like how how can i as a coach be there for my athletes but also continue to push them as athletes um and for me it was the big thing was like these aren't just athletes these are people these are people that have lives outside of sport they have girlfriends they have boyfriends they have um families a lot of people are away from their families these are people who have have dealt are dealing with loss or have dealt with loss or will deal with loss in the four years that they're you know with you so it's understanding that as a coach like you need to look at your athletes as people not as athletes um and so you know how to be there for your for your spouse you know how to be there for your kids you know how to be there for your friends we'll treat these treat your athletes the same way you know, invite them, invite them to your office to sit down and talk, invite them for lunch, invite them for whatever it is. Um, and to, to really get a grasp of what's going on in, in the individual's lives. And that's how you get to, that's how you build those connections and get to know your athletes um, is by treating them like people first. Yeah. And it's a great point because again, we often focus in sports around how fast an athlete can run, how high they can jump, you know, how well they can shoot. But again, if we don't take care of the other aspects, you know, the shooting and the quickness and the agility, that all doesn't matter. And I love how you talked about, you know, being able to continue that conversation. You also got the opportunity to uh, talk to other individuals with the uh, college sports conversation. I know that was put out through the NCAA YouTube channel. So how did that come about? Um, you know, I've had a lot of people just kind of like reach out and ask me to do different things. Um, and any opportunity I can take to speak on mental health, I'm going to take it. Um, and for me, that was just another one. And it was one that I, you know, really enjoyed doing. Um, I think just kind of like getting my story out there and showing people how vulnerable I can be, um, allows for the next individual to be vulnerable. Uh, for me, I've always said that it, all it takes is one person for me to impact. And I feel like I've done my job. But I feel like deep down I've impacted more than one person. Um, but still, if I can impact you, and then you go impact one person, and then it's just a trickling effect, and um, that's slowly how we change the conversation, change our uh, end of stigma around mental health. For sure, and again, being able to kind of you know further that because again, once people kind of see okay, they can reach out or they can speak up, and it's okay, then almost people feel almost a sense of permission to be able to do the same, to talk about their own experience mm -hmm. or to seek out help themselves. And yourself and former Ball State alumni, Amanda Smith, took you know similar steps in terms of the one of podcast. Talked about various topics and your, both your experiences as well. Yeah, we um, we need to get back on that. We've uh, kind of have texted back and forth recently and just haven't really found time. But, um, you know, we're both very passionate about mental health. Um, and we've, we've both have known each other since I think my sophomore year. Um, I think she's a year older than me, but um, she's always been a good person and always has been a person I've seen around. Um, but for us, it was just like wanting to end that stigma, wanting to do something bigger um, in terms of, we want to make an impact, how do we do it? How can we, as two individuals come together as one to push an agenda to end the stigma around mental health. And so that's kind of what we wanted to do. Um, and so we kind of, we came up with the, with the 
with a name um, simply because, you know, one in four people deal with mental health issues. Um, and I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's like something a lot of people realize how, how, how many people deal with some sort of mental health issue. Um, you know, I think she's publicly spoke about it. You know, she's had, she's had an eating disorder. I knew nothing about eating disorders. So it's me sitting here talking with her on her first show about eating disorders. It's, you know, that opens my eyes to eating disorders to be able to help the next person that I hear speak on eating disorders or to help the next viewer that listen to be able to, you know, talk or, or whatever about eating disorders. So I think it's just like creating those conversations. Cause oftentimes too, you know, we, individuals and societies look at athletes in terms of, again, we focus just on the, you know, the ability part, but we don't think about the other aspects. Like I said, they have their own lives. They, you know, have the pressures to have the, you know, their own stressors, families, friends, partners. But again, we don't think about that oftentimes when we think about sports. What do you think needs to happen for society in terms of making those changes? So we look at, at athletes more than just their sport, but as human beings. Um, you know, I think it's tough, especially in the professional realm. I don't know that we will, as a whole, ever look at athletes as just human. Um, you know, you look at the LeBrons, the Kevin Durant, the James Hardens. These are all, this is a sport I play, obviously, so it's easier to mention those guys. But even guys like Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, those guys, it's just like, how do you not look at them as as just superstars, as, as not human? You know, you see the throws, you see the shots they make, you see the different things. Um, but it's just like, you know, you they could, post a picture they can I mean like Steph Curry just meets that girl the other day and she's just crying meeting him because she's so happy like it's just like how do you not look at these people as you know kind of more than human but at the end of the day it's just like we have to change that narrative that like yes these guys are are famous and are celebrities and are doing great things in their sport and whether it's actors or in their movies and their shows whatever it is these celebrities are are you know, doing great in their fields. But we also need to understand that they are people and they do have feelings and they do, you know, go through different things. And I think the biggest way to end that is to have celebrities kind of speak out on what they're going through. And it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't like to say that in the, in the sense, like I want people to be comfortable in speaking out. Um, but at the same time, those that are comfortable and are thinking about it, have to understand that they have a chance to make a real impact on the world um, in terms of ending the stigma around mental health, ending the stigma around eating disorders, ending the stigma around anxiety, depression, um, lack of confidence, whatever it is. Um, you know, I think it's important to kind of understand as someone with a platform that you, you know, you do have an opportunity because so many people are looking at you. You know, great point as well, because again, you know, that platform, again, we're starting to see it more and more in most recent years. Again, we look at Brandon Marshall in the NFL. We look at Kevin Love in the NBA. We look at Simone Biles, they said, joined the Olympics. All these athletes at, you know, the height of their careers, talking about their own struggles with mental health. I think, again, that's how we further that conversation like you talked about. 
for yourself as well in terms of those transition points. Again, you talked about you know your four years at Ball State. It sounds like there's some great support in terms of the counseling center, in terms of coaches, in terms of the other staff. How did you find the adjustment from college into the uh, professional playing? Um, it's been really tough, honestly. Um, you know, it's a lot different, um, especially overseas. I think if you're, you know, if I were obviously in the NBA, like I would have more of a support staff in terms of, um, you know, I think that's just kind of how the United States is going. But, you know, I look at where I was in Bulgaria, where I was in Cyprus, like, those are two countries where I got no support. Um, you know, it's it's different when you're playing overseas. You're you know you feel very alone, and so it's tough to kind of go through those emotions um, kind of by yourself. Um, and then you add in the pressure to perform um, because you know it's cutthroat in, in Europe. Um, the second you play bad, it's now you have all eyes on you in a sense. Um, and so it, it was tough, um, but where I am now, like in being in Australia, I think it's, um, you know, I have just as much as a support system here as I would in the States. Like I have a great coach who has my back. I have great teammates who have my back, um, you know, from the top to the bottom in our, in our uh, club, I have, you know, ev everyone has my back. Um, so it's, a, it's great to, to feel um, because, you know, I am so far from home. Um, and, but it's just like, for me, like if, you know, if, if a guy came over to the States and was far from home, I'd be there for him too. Um, so it's just like nice to know that it's also being returned in a sense. No, it's, and it's great to hear. Cause again, you know, that support is so cr crucial when it comes to recovery in terms of positive mental health. Cause like you talked about isolation, that's where, you know, depression, anxiety can definitely grow. And like I said, really impacting the individual too, especially when we feel that alone and, you know, that lack of support. What would you say is one, you know, one change you'd like to see in terms of, you know, how do we create that more support in other aspects? Um, I think the biggest thing is just like being a good human. Um, I think the, you know, one thing that I kind of, this is one of the, wildest things that happened to me in college um we i went to like so i don't remember who the speaker was um but i want you to fill in the blank so he goes treat people how you want to be treated no but it's, he goes no you treat people how they want to be treated okay because not everybody wants to be treated the same way so for me i had a teammate who was fiery like a very fiery guy like who liked to be yelled at, who could take that. Not that other others couldn't, but like that's how he liked to be talked to. But like I'm the, the opposite. I don't like to be yelled at. Like it, it doesn't do like it doesn't motivate me. Like it, it it doesn't do that to me. So like as a coach, like understanding that, but just in general, but as a person, like you have to understand that not everybody wants to be treated the same way that you do. Um and so I thought that was, you know, a pretty cool thing because he told us to fill in the blank and you had two hundred people all say the same thing that you did and then he immediately corrects us like no you treat people how they want to be treated um so i think just understanding that people need people and you have to treat people how they want to be treated and not necessarily how you want to be treated how you want to be talked to how all these different things and you know i think it just takes being a good human and trying to understand other the people in your circle 
And that's a really good point. It goes back to your point earlier where you said coaches have to get to know their individuals, not so much as their athletes. But again, they got to get to know their people at a person to person level. Because again, you know, without having that understanding of your athletes or as, you know, an athlete as a person, you're not able to effectively work together. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that um, the more you know your, your um, players, the, the more they want to perform for you. Like, I would go, I would do anything for Coach Witt because I know he would do anything for me. But if I have a coach that I know won't do anything for me, who won't sacrifice for me, who won't put their body on the line for me, why would I want to go do the same for my coach? Why would I want to go do the same for a coach who doesn't care about me, who doesn't care about my family, who doesn't care about my upbringing? And that's, you know, it's so true. It goes back to, you know, everyone wants to feel safe. Everyone wants to feel supported. Everyone wants to feel that sense of trust and that sense of respect. And again, with that, with that you know, people feel, hey, why would I want to continue? Or why would I want to be involved? And I wonder if that's the big factor of why we're seeing a higher rate of dropout of sports in youth. Because again, they're not always that support you know, from every coach. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I was actually thinking about this the other day. It's kind of irrelevant in a sense, but I was thinking about, <clears throat> you know, as a coach, like especially in the younger generations, like you have to to give more than you take. Um, if you're giving motivation, if you're giving kindness to your plays, if, but you can't take that away. From, like if you take a motivation away from a, a 10, 11-year-old, they may not, they may ruin their their sporting career they might not ever want to touch a basketball touch a bat touch whatever sport they play because of one coach um so i think it's important as coaches to to give more than you take great words of advice there for sure because again you know when we think about coaches their role as a you know an influence his role as a leader their role as a mentor is so critical and oftentimes you get athletes who spend you know more time with the coach than they do with their own family members due to, you know, how far away from home they might be or how much time they spend, you know, after a sport. And what would, would you say is one more advice you would give, you know, younger athletes or athletes in the, you know, either their college career currently or that are in the midst of transitioning to professional? In terms of mental health or just in general? Uh, both. Let's take it from both standpoint. Um. In terms of mental health, I think it's just don't be afraid to speak up if you, um, if you need anything, um, you know, get to know your coach just as much as you want them to get to know you, so you can build that relationship and so you can be honest with them about different things. Um, because I could text Coach Witt right now and be like, "Hey, Coach, I'm really struggling," and I know that he would call me within within the hour. <laughs> like, I think that's important. Um, and then in terms of not mental health um i think it's finding what finding a passion outside of sport um i think it's easy to get drained um and to fall in love with performance um so say i have a bad game it's like okay am i a bad person am i do i do i need to stop playing do i need you all these different thoughts that go through your head but then it's like you have a good game it's like oh am i the best am i the best in the conference am i the best in the league am i the best whatever um, so I think it's, you know, never get too high, never get too low is, is one piece of advice, but the other is to, you know, find something you love to do outside of sport, like take, because eventually like your sport's going to end 
not every sport can continue forever. So find what you love to do outside um, before that happens. So you're not scrambling. And it's so important because again, I like to talk about that too, that the sport is not going to last forever. But again, you know, as a human, that's where that's going to last longer in terms of your life outside of that sport. Mm-hmm. One thing we often do uh, with our guests towards the end of each episode or try is what we call the rapid questions. So it's just quick questions, first response that comes to mind. In your opinion, what makes a well athlete? Um, I think just one that understands themselves. Um, I think it's important to you know understand yourself as an athlete and what you need. What would you say brings you peace currently today? Um, my people, um, my relationship with the Lord. Um, yeah, so I'd say those two. And what would you say is one word of advice you wish you could give your younger self? Um, that's tough. Um, I think to, to find joy and peace and that happiness. I think everyone chases happiness, which is a high, but joy and peace are sustainable. Yeah. Love that answer, I gotta say. And it, it goes back to kind of a holistic wellness approach there as well. So, you know, there's a great point there as well that instead of chasing those highs, try to find peace, and like I said, happiness in that moment you're in. Trey, I really want to, you know, thank you again for joining us, Courtside, today. You know, thank you for being the advocate there for mental health and all the work you've done. And again, you know, also, congratulations on being, like I said, a winner of the NCAA Inspiration Award there during your time at Ball State. I can see why, again, you know, the way you talk in terms of how you approach mental health and sport community is very inspirational to, like I said, the masses, no matter if you're a coach, athlete, or just a fan of the sport. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, and thank you again for having me on. It's, uh, you know, I love doing this stuff. Folks, if you enjoyed today's episode and want to check out other episodes, check us out on Spotify. Apple, Audible, and Podbean. You can also follow us on social media at Wellness Athletic Services on Facebook and Instagram. If you have any questions or ideas for the show, feel free to email us at wellnessathleticservices at gmail.com. Thank you and stay well. Mm-hmm.